Father, we thank you for your presence this afternoon. We thank you because you are with us, and when you are with us, there is a difference. We never stay the same in your presence. Lord, we cannot remain the same when the Holy Spirit visits us, when the Holy Spirit is in our midst. And that is our conviction this afternoon that we will not remain the same. As your word is read, as your word is preached, Lord, we are persuaded that we will not be the same. That your word will bring encouragement to us. Your word will bring teaching and training unto each one of us. Lord, even those that are not physically with us here in the sanctuary, Lord, we know that your word will reach them wherever they are because you are a God who is not limited by distance. And so, Lord, we invite you to come by your grace and minister to each one of us this afternoon. Lord, even those that have been blinded from your word, may the power of the gospel take away the veil this afternoon that they will embrace the truth and that truth will set them free. We honor you, Heavenly Father, and we are excited, Lord, at your word this afternoon. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to lunch hour this afternoon. It's a joy to see you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And obviously, those of you following us, worshiping with us online. You are a treasure to us. You're important to us. And so we bless the name of the Lord uh, for you. Let me turn our attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, that is going to be our passage for reflection. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 4. And this is what it says, if you can just follow with me as you read in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. The word of the Lord. Our, our, our topic for reflection really this afternoon is spiritual release 
from blindness of minds or spiritually it is to blinded minds. And um, particularly thinking about verses 4 and 5 of the passage I have read. But I chose to read the entire passage so that we can appreciate where Paul is coming from. And when you read the entire passage, you cannot miss the words in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now, 2 Corinthians, those of you that have bothered to understand the context, is a letter that Paul writes, and it's personal. He shares a lot of personal experiences, unlike the first letter to the Corinthians, where he's dealing with divisions, issues to do with the church as a whole, uh, gifts and uh, issues affecting the church as a body. But in the second letter, he goes a bit more personal, and he shares some of the things he has experienced as an individual just to defend his apostleship, but also to defend his ministry because there are people who are discrediting him as though he is not the right servant of the Lord, as if his ministry is not authentic. And that is why he goes out of the way, not to boast, but to bring glory to the Lord by providing proofs. Actually, when you go deep into the letter, he even shares some of the experiences he has had in the third heaven, you know? Something that the Paul we know who is humble wouldn't be easy to bring to everybody, but he brings it to defend his apostleship because people don't want to believe that he's an apostle, but also to defend his ministry because some people think He's not an authentic minister. So in chapter 4, he begins the phrase that we catch there as he begins chapter 4 is we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. As if to say he has been writing and everything that is showing and the suffering part of it that we'll see in this passage can so easily cause us to go off track can so easily cause us to throw in the towel. But he then says, look at verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. If there is anything I want to achieve through this afternoon's sharing, is that you leave this sanctuary ready to face the hardships of every day stronger in the name of the Lord. That we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. The KJV calls it, we faint not. We faint not. So yes, there are all these issues, but we do not lose heart. We do not faint. We attempted every day, ask me, I will tell you, every day we attempted to lose heart, especially when we don't have tangible results of what we have confessed, what we have professed, when we have nothing to show for it tangibly, you know? You have no fruit that is physical that you can show it to people. Actually, I've had some people saying, yeah, I hear people testifying, me, the Lord has done this for me and that for me, and you know, but for me, I have nothing to show for it. I just believe, but Reverend, there's nothing really to show. Sometimes you can be led to think God is not at work in your life just because 
you don't have what everybody else has. So when we get to that place, it's so easy for us to lose heart. When we are faced with, with hardships, when hardships arise, when the trials of every day, faith-shaking potholes of life, when you come face to face with them, you can so easily faint, lose heart. But Paul says we should not lose heart because we have the gospel. We have gospel light. We shouldn't lose heart. Why? Because we have the gospel. The gospel is the good news. We have the light of glory, the glory of God. And so in verse 1, that's why he would start this chapter saying, Therefore, since through God's mercy, God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. The word ministry here means the new covenant. It talks about the gospel. It is the righteousness of Christ which has become our righteousness and the same righteousness that we preach. That is the gospel. That is the new covenant. It's because we have this ministry of passing on this gospel of grace that we shouldn't lose heart. And later on it would make sense because when we lose heart, then people will not be released from their blindness. It is this gospel that breaks the chains of oppression, particularly oppression by sin, oppression imprisoned by sin. It's this ministry that we have that is going to release people from that place. And so we cannot afford to lose heart. We cannot afford to faint because if we do, then people are going to remain in their prisons. People will not be released. And so by God's mercy, we have become ministers of the gospel. Please take note, Paul is not talking to clergy, he's not talking to pastors, he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to believers. You and I are ministers. And we have the ministry of the gospel. The ministry of preaching the good news of salvation. Which then releases people from being blinded from this truth. Hallelujah. And so verse 2. Rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So in Corinth, like I said in the introduction, false teachers used deception. They were distorting the truth such as saying, such as discrediting Paul as an apostle, Paul as a minister of the gospel. But also not only that, there are things they were distorting such as grace, such as salvation, denying salvation by grace and bringing forward the salvation of works. And so they were distorting the truth. And Paul comes in to say, that is not what we are teaching. Rather, we have renounced such things, secret and shameful ways. They was, these were secret because they pretended to be believers. These guys didn't wear labels. We are false teachers. No, they didn't come in with flags and t-shirts written on, we are false teachers. They were secret. They came in with craftiness. If you want, you would say they always said not something that is completely wrong, 
but something that is almost right. But you see, almost right is not right at all. And so that is, that is the trick they used. They were secretive. They, 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 they had ways that were not directly wrong, but at the end, they would lead so many people away because they used deception. They distorted the word of God to suit their own ambitions. And Paul so then says, we do not come in that way. We are not like them. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, you yourselves are witnesses that we have spoken the truth and nothing but the truth. So false teachers are distorting the word of God, watering down their messages to suit what the itching ears of their audiences want to hear. But as true ministers, the ministers, Paul's cohorts, they decided we are not going to compromise the truth. We are going to say it plainly. And that is the only way people can be set free. Now listen to verse 3 and verse 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled. So Paul acknowledges something here that it's possible for them to preach the gospel and people actually don't understand it. And he qualifies that by saying, even if our gospel is veiled, it is covered, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Not you, church at Corinth. It is the unbelievers. And he then says why that is possible or why that has happened. Then he says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So when the gospel is preached, it fails in the unbeliever's sight because Satan, the devil, has covered them. When I read this, God increased my compassion for non-believers. That sometimes even when I scream on top of my voice to say, you need the gospel, they just won't understand it because there is a veil over their faces. And seriously, I don't know the last time you prayed for non-believers. Do you have relatives who do not know Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, 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 they have a veil. Some of them might be your children, your parents. It's possible that they are so close to you, your friends so dear to you. And you know you keep lamenting and grumbling and thinking, oh, come on, will you just go ahead and pray that God takes away the veil? Because from this passage, we see that the God of this, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so until the veil is taken off, it's difficult for them to come to the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievers cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Jesus Christ. 
as you are celebrating, wow, Jesus is the best. I see his glory. There is no better place than being in the presence of the Lord. I even took too long to get born again. Man, it's you who is seeing all those nice things. These guys are looking at a fool. They think you have lost your mind because there is a veil. There is a veil. And so he says this gospel is powerful, but even if it does not appear so, it does not appear powerful only in the eyes of unbelievers. And that is why the encouragement for us this afternoon is really to pray for unbelievers so that the veil is taken off and they are able to see the glory of the Lord displayed in Jesus Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. And so what Satan does, he closes their sight to the glory of God that is invisible, that is spiritual, and he, opened, he opens their eyes to what I have called physical glory. Physical glory, the things of this world, things like wealth, things like fame, things like power, to have a worldly mindset. So, they cannot see the spiritual things, the spiritual, you know, expression of who God is, but they see the glories of this world as the end to everything. And so that is what they want to pursue. That is what they want to go for. Fame, power, wealth, worldly mindsets that deny the existence of God. The gospel then becomes foolishness and weakness. Even when you preach the gospel, they are looking at you as foolish and as weak. You know that popular economist who said the gospel is opium for the poor. You know, he said, oh yeah, 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 the gospel is opium for the poor, but uh, for us who are well off, it's foolishness to the people who are perishing. Oh yeah. But to us, that by the grace of God he has taken away his veil, it is the power of God that brings salvation. A hand clap to the Lord. And so even when we are ministering amidst people who are veiled, we do not lose heart because our ministry liberates people from the power of darkness. Our ministry liberates people from the power of darkness and turns them to God. This ministry, this gospel, this righteousness that we preach has power to release people from darkness into light. It can liberate people from oppression, from prison, and they turn to God, including the writer of this letter, Paul himself. It is this gospel that liberated him from oppression. Even when he thought he was the one oppressing, actually he was oppressed. He was in darkness. And this gospel has power to release a man like Paul from oppression into the light of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Three things very quickly. First, God recreates people through the gospel. 
God recreates people through the gospel. God, as we preach the gospel and people embrace this gospel, he recreates them. And the word used here, if you are careful enough, you might have noticed, it is the same word used at creation, let there be light. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And so God is able to recreate. We might have darkness on the inside of us, but when we open ourselves to the Lord, he recreates us. And that is why later on it would say, in Christ the old is gone and the new has come. Why? Because the gospel recreates you into a new person. Hallelujah. And that is why, even for people like Cony, if they honestly confessed Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, God recreates them into new beings. Listen, you can have your own personal struggles and it's granted because you're a human being, but before God, recreated. Free man. Amen. So the gospel has power to recreate people. The light of God can be revealed to them. The same power of creation in the beginning at Genesis is the same power in the gospel that is able to take away the old and bring newness of light and life. And that is how we are able to have this freedom that after Adam and Eve messed it up, after the fall, people did not glorify God, but when God so loved the world and sent Jesus Christ, he has given us life eternal. God recreates people through the gospel of his son. Before Christ, I've said this here before, I was a terrible man. And after Christ, see what the Lord is able to do. Up to now, some people are still amazed that Gerald is born again. Not just born again, but a reverend. How? I've shared some with some of you how a friend of mine drove from Fort Potro to Kampala just to see that I am the Gerald he studied with. And I was, I think, ministering at St. Andrew's Bukoto. He saw a post somewhere and she said, Gerald, no way, way, this can't be true. Gerald, no way. So he called and said, I will actually come to ascertain. He drove from Fort Potro to St. Andrews Bukoto. I didn't know he had come. I thought he was joking. But after the service, we were shaking hands of people outside there. And I saw precious Mutasi Ingwa right there. And when he held my hand, he said, now I believe there is a God above. <laughs> The gospel has power to recreate, to transform, to change, to release people from darkness, from blindedness. And that is why we must hold firm this gospel without shaking. Like Paul, we must not compromise the gospel because it is the power that releases people from blindedness, blinded minds. But also... The gospel light enables us to see God's glory. It does not only release us from being blind, it also enables us above all else that we see to see the glory of God. To see the glory of God. Do you notice that Stephen is being stoned and just before he dies, he sees the glory of God and all the people that are stoning him don't see that glory. 
How is that possible? It's the gospel on the inside of us that is able to only to take off the veil, but also to cause us to see the glory of God. So we must hold fast the gospel because it is that, it is Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus. The good news is Jesus himself is the one who sets us free. And we can read the words of John. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. It's the gospel that enables us to do that. But also the ultimate purpose of the gospel is to glorify God. It has nothing to do with us. I am set free for the glory of God. I preach for the glory of God. People got, get saved and they are released from darkness, from chains of oppression, from sin to the glory of God. It is not for their own sake and run away from a man and run away from a woman who draws all people to himself. Come on, run away from a human being who points people to himself. And some people have mastered the art of simply saying, oh, glory to God, glory to God. But when you follow closer, you realize it's about them. It's about them. Run away from people who want to be exalted, they themselves. It is for the glory of God. And people who live without God do not have the privilege to be regenerated, to be set free. They don't have the privilege to see the glory of God and so they cannot glorify God. They live for themselves. They live for things that glorify them. They live for their own selfish ambitions. And they live as orphans because they have no father. But it is encouraging for us to know that God, through Christ, has made it possible for us. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Every minister must bring you to God, nothing else. You must bring people not to you, but to God. And even when Christ died on the cross, was so that you may be brought to God. Do not release people from blindness to bring them to you, okay? It never works that way. The gospel brought us all these blessings, forgiveness, justification, peace, healing, gifts of freedom, glory, everything else, and at the end of it all, eternal life. And the best news is that God has removed all the obstacles. Somebody can only remain blind at their choice. But Jesus has dealt with all the obstacles. And that is why when he comes, he is true when he condemns and judges people. Because he has taken away all obstacles. So how can we be released from blinded minds? Believe in Jesus Christ. And in verse 5 we read, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. It is Jesus who delivers. That's the Jesus we preach. That is the Jesus we glorify. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, All things have been created through him, Christ, and for him. All things, not just a few things, not just many things, but all things have been created by him and for his name's sake. 
Hallelujah. The best you can be, Paul says, is be servants of Jesus for Jesus' sake. Amen. That even when you serve in this cathedral, even when you serve wherever you are, it is still for Jesus' sake. It's not so that when you die, the church will come to bury you. I've heard some people say, I'm not let me get involved in the church because, you know, if they, do, if they are not getting involved, there is a time somebody died and I went to, to that burial. And when we got there, they, they, were, they were stuck. They, there was no priest to do it. And it was chaos. And so I thought, what do I do? This person was very close to me. And I, did, I wasn't sure I would have the strength to to stand and minister to people and as I was there trying to figure out what I do the villagers saw me in the call and said yeah reverend so what do we do the church has refused to come and officiate and leave the barrio as I was still there figuring out where do I get uh, some things to use in that same barrio Canon Grace and Rongo came <laughs> and so when Canon Grace came I said you know what is happening this is what is happening so and he had also come on behalf of a certain staff I said no so now what we do uh, let's constitute ourselves into a, a, a pastoral team of this church for these two hours just to manage this situation and we went backstage we worked out things we came and conducted the burial we buried and you know but listen, what you do after does not in any way affect the person who is gone. You are only exposing your ignorance and wasting your time and energy. You are hurting yourself and creating more enemies. And you know, because I'm not sure all the other relatives now went back to that church after that incident. Listen, it is for Jesus' sake we are only serving him. That's it. In Revelation, he would say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and last, the beginning and the end. It is not for our own sake. It is for his sake. And he says, this is a treasure. This is something we should treasure. We should hold fast to. We should Hold in high regard. It's a treasure. Listen to verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The language there is used intentionally. We are clay. Jars of clay. It is to talk of our weaknesses as human beings. However, even when we are weak, we have a treasure on the inside of us. And that is this gospel. That is this ministry. And why God has chosen it that way, it's because he wants to display his power through our weaknesses. And so then he can take all the glory. Amen. Because when you use your strength, you'll struggle to release all the glory to the Lord. You are tempted to say, but you see, I put in some effort. I put in some wisdom. No, 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 no. It is right there in your weakness when you are unable to save yourself that he does everything and only chooses you by grace so you can display this glory. And everybody that sees a Gerald that once was not only in darkness but darkness itself can stand up here to preach there is a God above everything else to his glory, to his praise.
That's the point of the gospel. That weak people like us seated in this cathedral can display the glory of God to the people that are lost. And so I want to encourage us that even when we face many hardships, in this same letter, verse 8 and 9, we read these things. We are hard depressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And Paul says these things from experience. He has been in prison. He has been flogged. He has been exposed to death again and again. Bandits, persecutors, natural disasters. He has faced it all. But he would still say, we are hard depressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because this ministry that we have is a treasure. We cannot afford to throw in the towel because of hardships when people are perishing. We cannot afford to do that. For as long as people are blinded, we must keep ministering the gospel because this is the only way they will be delivered from their darkness. Get up on your feet and let us pray. Can I invite you to just pray this moment, to just pray for one unbeliever that God brings to your mind this afternoon. I want you to just remember that one unbeliever. It might be your relative, it might be your father, your mother, your child, your friend, your colleague. It might be a neighbor who is Muslim. Who, they are, the scriptures have told us they have been blinded by the devil. Just pray that God will take away that veil. Just pray that God will take away that veil. Yes, in scripture we read that we not wrestle against flesh and blood. Yes, there are forces behind that are working about this blindness. This person is, is blind not by their choice, but because the devil has made it a point that the fail keeps on. They are unable to see the glory of God in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Just mention them by name by the thing that you, you know about them that describes them and ask that God will be gracious to them that the mercy of God will take away that veil will take away that veil they are in darkness they are lost they have laughed at you when you have preached they have called you foolish they have called you naive they have called you names they have scoffed at you do not hate them don't hate them do not hate them don't plan revenge for them just pray that God will take away the veil. That God will take away the veil. That God will take away the veil. That they will be released from that oppression, that darkness, that prison. That God will take away the veil. That God will take away the veil. Yes, Lord, we are reminded of people in this city of Kampala. Some of them are in our homes, in our houses. Some of them are our spouses. There is a veil. There is a veil. There is a veil. But you have revealed yourself as the Alpha and the Omega. There is no veil that is too difficult for you to take away. There is no veil that is too thick for your glory to penetrate. There is no veil that is too difficult, oh Lord. And so this afternoon we pray that you take away the veil. 
that you take away the veil that your grace will come to your children and they will see the glory the glory of Jesus Christ the glory of the gospel Lord that you will have mercy upon them and take away the veil and take away the veil yes Lord they are our loved ones but they have hated us because of the veil they are our blood relatives but they have pushed us to the periphery because of the veil but this afternoon oh Lord have mercy this afternoon Lord have mercy have mercy oh God and take away the veil Lord take away the veil we are tempted to hate them but we will not hate them we are tempted to avoid them but we will not avoid them we will ask oh God that one more time you give us grace to reach out to them one more time you give us grace to talk to them and give us wisdom give us clarity give us opportunities rema times oh God timely moments oh God cause situations to work in our favor so that we can share this word of good news and Lord I pray that there will be opportunities Lord even if it means bringing them to a place that is difficult for the sake of the gospel do it oh God that they will be released oh God that the veil will be taken away this afternoon oh Holy Spirit it is the power unto salvation Lord we know Lord we know we have seen your glory we can testify of your goodness but they haven't Lord they haven't Lord have mercy on them have mercy on them release them release them oh God from every form of blindness from every form of chains Lord release them release them oh Father soften their hearts Lord you have said that you would exchange the hearts of stone with the heart of flesh some of them have hard hearts rocky hearts but Lord exchange them exchange those hearts for the heart of flesh that they will embrace the gospel Lord they will be able to see your glory they will see your glory the power that brings salvation and Lord I pray Lord for every person that is under the sound of my voice this afternoon that has been discouraged as a result of people that are blinded Lord they have been discouraged they have become weak about preaching the gospel they have become shy of the gospel may you release new strength to them this afternoon for we have no choice but to preach the gospel for we have no choice because this is the only way that will be released from their blindness. And so, Lord, give us new zeal, new strength. Refresh us, revitalize us, Lord. Lord, one more time, give us the grace to go out, to reach out. Give us the new methods, oh Lord. Give us new opportunities, oh Lord, that your children will be released. And Lord, as your power is working in us, Lord, as your healing is happening in us, as we, as we continue to be joyful, as we are content, as we do things and as things happen to us, may everything turn out for the good of the gospel. May what happens to us and through us bring glory to your name. Yes, Lord, for your glory, no one else, not us. Lord, will you convict us to live like John the Baptist would say, may I decrease that you may increase so you will be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for your word this afternoon. 
And for every person that came, Lord, I pray, even those that came with unique needs, I pray that you minister to them, each one of them, one by one, Lord. Some of them have become so weak to the point of wanting to give up of this gospel. Meet them there, Lord, in their context, right there as they cry tears. Lord, some of them have even grumbled at one point, right there, Lord, I pray that you meet them and minister to them provision, minister to them your presence. Maybe somebody is online and they are stranded, they are stuck. May this power of the gospel release them from that place. To your praise, to your glory, Lord. And even as your children bring in offerings this afternoon, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will bless their offerings, their tithes, their thanksgiving, some are giving SCP, whatever form of giving that they have, I pray that you will bless them. Lord, you have encouraged us to give to your house. You have encouraged us to honor you, Lord, with our possessions, to honor you with our wealth, to be good stewards. And your children have obeyed. They are just going to give in your house. I pray that you bless them, that they will never lack. In the name of Jesus, you will supply all their needs according to your riches in glory. For that is your promise, Lord. Even those that are giving, even when they have things that are pressing, I pray that in their faith, they will see your glory as you meet their needs according to your riches in glory. But also, Lord, as we go out of this sanctuary, dismiss us with your blessing. Lord, as we go out, may your peace that supersedes human understanding, that peace not as the world gives, that peace that transcends what we are able to comprehend, guard our hearts and our minds in the knowledge of God Almighty and of your Son, Jesus Christ, the giver of peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us. That blessing be upon our offerings as they come into the presence of God. That blessing be upon us as we preach the gospel of salvation. That blessing never leave us now and forevermore. Amen. Hand clap to the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah.